Psalm chapter 25. Psalm chapter 25. I wish more of the saints of God were with us today. I know some are getting that last moment in because school starts uh, next week. And so they're trying to get in their last vacation. And then the other people, I don't know where they are. But anyway, so... But I know some are calling them the vacation. I think some are vacationing at home today. I don't know. But Psalm 25, you know, wore them out so much at camp because they probably haven't prayed that much in quite a while. So it was kind of shock to some of them. So they're at home today. Psalm 25, <laughs> Psalm 25, and we're going to read with verse number four. It says, show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Show me, or shew me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day, all the day. And I want to speak for a few moments. There are several different titles I'd thought about, but one of them that I'm going to use today is A Difference in Ways. A Difference in Ways. You may be seated. A Difference in Ways. The key is more than just moving forward in living for God. Get, get your mind around this. The key is more than just moving forward and living for God. It's moving forward according to God's will and way. It's not just us saying, oh, I want God's will. But there's also a definite way. There's a definite path in which God wants us to walk. Solomon made this statement. He said, Proverbs 14 and 12, this is what the wise man said. He said, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. See, not every way is the right way. No matter how it feels at that moment. See, there are two verbs that are listed in verse number four this morning and... and uh, there are two different little phrases that are made in regards to those, ver to those verbs. One verb says, shoo me or show me. The other one is, teach me. And there's quite a distinction made in this verse between these two verbs and these two phrases. The word show or shoo means to unveil or reveal. David is asking God to reveal to him his ways. He's asking God to say, he's saying, God, I have no way of knowing your ways in my humanity. So I need for you to unveil to me or to uh, reveal to me your ways, the way that will please you, God. Now, that's a difficult thing to do because of this verse. God said to Isaiah in, in Isaiah 55 and 8, he made this statement. This is God. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. God reaffirms the distinction between his ways and our ways. He makes it very clear there is definitely a difference between his way and our way. 
the religious world has introduced the ideal that both ways can be followed by a Christian at the same time. They use this term, quote-unquote, grace as a right to try to walk both ways at the same time. But God makes it very clear there is a definite distinction between God's way and man's way. I'm going to say it again. There is definitely a difference between God's way and man's way. The religious world believes that we can walk God's way without changing our ways. But that very thought is contrary to the first step of the new birth experience. The new birth experience starts with repentance. And repentance is when you make an about face. It's when you change your direction. God made it clear your way isn't God's way. You need to hear me today, church. Your way isn't God's way. Then in the next verse, God showed us how they relate to each other and how his ways compare to our ways. Because again, in Isaiah 55 and 9, this is where God puts it in relation, his ways to our ways. He made this statement in verse 9 of Isaiah 55. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For us to walk in our way is to live below where God wants us to live. Look at how he relates our ways to his ways. He says, as your ways is like the earth, my ways are like the heaven." He's trying to show us if we walk in our ways, we are on the low road walking for God or trying to walk for God. God makes it very clear. If you want the high path, if you want the high walk, you need to walk where God wants us to walk, not where you want to walk. Can I hear an amen? Let me put it another way. Our way isn't anywhere near God's way. Our way, folks, is not anywhere close to God's way. According to God, there is a big difference in the two paths. The religious world has attempted to blend, to blend the two ways or the two paths. Again, this world believes that you can walk in your way and still be walking in God's way. But folks, that goes contrary to the verse we just read because according to God, those paths have a great distance between the two of them. You cannot walk the way you want to walk and please God. You cannot serve God the way he wants you to serve him and walk the way you want to walk, folks. But according to this verse, if you walk in your way, you are a long ways from God's way. Can I hear an amen again? Can I ask you a question? How far is heaven from earth? How far is heaven from earth, folks? It's a long ways. Now look at the context of Isaiah 55. 
before he makes those statements, this is what God also said. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. For God to come to where we are, he has to come a long ways to where we are. Because we're not near where God wants us to be. Come on. We still have room for improvement. Can I hear an amen in the house? But before he makes verse 8 and 9 that I've already read and make that declaration, in verse 7 he makes this statement. Let the wicked forsake. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let and let him return unto the let him return unto let him get back on the right path which is the Lord's path and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. The world wants to use the word grace again as a right to continue to walk in their own way. But God says, here's what you need to do. You need to repent and try to follow my path and then I will pardon you. When you forsake your iniquity or you repent and do an about face, then that's when you are getting ready to get on my path, folks. Here's the reality of these verses. You can't walk God's way until you forsake your way. You can never follow God until you give up your own will and your own way. Forsake means to loosen, relinquish, or even refuse. We're struggling living for God because we are unwilling to forsake our ways. You can say amen right there. We're trying to merge again God's way and our way and we're frustrated because we're going in opposite directions. I can't head west and get to Idaho unless I go a long ways west. <laughs> because why? It's going in the wrong direction. David said, show me thy ways. Teach me thy paths. Again, shoe means to reveal or unveil. But that word teach, when I begin to search this out, I assumed what many of you assumed. He said, teach me thy paths. The word comes from the Hebrew root word, which is lawmad, lawmad. See, our minds go to this, this common usage of the word teach, which means to point out as if aiming a finger to instruct. But here's another verse that uses this same word, lawmad, and it's in Psalm 51 and 13, and it says this, Teach, then will I teach transgressors thy way. See, teach is translated into do, from two different words. This word is the same word where it says, Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. In our scripture text, teach, you ready? Literally means to goad. Look it up for yourself. It's different than the other word that is translated teach, which means to instruct or to point with your finger. <laughs> this word literally means to goad. What is goading? 
Well, David as a shepherd would know exactly what the word goad means because as a shepherd, he used that little pointed stick and when the sheep wouldn't do what they were supposed to do, he would, he would, he would goad them, he would prod them. It means this, goad means to provoke or annoy someone just giving you the definition straight out of what it is. The word goad means to provoke or to annoy someone. And sometimes I annoy you. Sometimes I provoke you. <laughs> provoke or to annoy someone so as to stimulate some action or reaction. David as a shepherd at times, he would goad the sheep, folks. He would annoy the sheep. He would prod the sheep. Why? Because he wanted an action or a reaction out of the sheep. It means to drive or urge on with a goad. Folks, that's powerful right there. Now then, put that back into that sentence, into that verse. David said, show me thy ways. <laughs> Teach me thy paths. Church, we need God to do more than just reveal to us his way and his truth. Let me put it another way. Just knowing isn't enough. Just knowing isn't enough. We need God to provoke us. We need God to prod us. We need God to joke. Come on. Goat us at time. David was saying, I know how the sheep at time are stubborn and they don't want to do what they need to do. So God, I don't need you to just show me the way. I also need you to goad me at times along the way. God, I need you to help me push me when I don't want to go. I don't know about you, but there are times when God says, you need to go this way. But our humanity says, not today, God. And we need God through the word of God and through his spirit to kind of goad us along to help us to go the way God wants us to go. That's the reason why we need the Holy Ghost. We need convictions in the church. We need people to walk in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you need more than just the word of knowledge. You need the spirit of truth to lead you and goad you along. Somebody shout amen. Here's the reality. Even when we know what the right way is, we still struggle to go the right way. Can I get a witness in the house? How many of you had a sermon preached and you knew it was for you and it hit you right where you were, but then you had problems, come on, applying it to our everyday path and walk and way? We are all that way. So David was saying, I just don't want to know which is the right way. God, at times, make me feel uncomfortable. See, we get comfortable where we are in our Christian walk with God because we're doing all the do's and the don'ts. And we think we're exactly where we need to be, but God's coming along and said, I've got more for you. And David was saying, I want to get closer to you, God. So number one, show me the way. And then whatever it takes... Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today. Whatever it takes, God, 
whatever you've got to do to encourage me then to go the path you want me to go, that God, I'm here because I want to get as close as I can to you and I want to be exactly where you want me to be. Can I get an amen? So David was saying, God prod me. Look at somebody and say, God prod you. <laughs> oh, I don't want that. You need to get the point. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> See, then David said in Psalm 27, he picks up on this point of teaching, and he states this. In verse 11 of Psalm 27, he said, Teach me thy way. Guess what? That's that same word again, teach. Not instruct, prod me and goad me. Teach me thy way, O Lord. And then he, then he adds to that now because we're progressing. He says, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Lead me in a plain path. Now hold your seat. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get rough here. Do you know what that word plain means? It means straightness. Hey, preacher, you're preaching it just too straight. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment there. Well, pastor, you're, you're just too straight and you're too narrow. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because according to this, he said, I want a plain or I want a nice straight path for me to follow. Psalm 5 and 8 says this, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemy. Make thy way straight before my face. Why? Because Matthew 7 and 13 says this, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go that way, folks. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. And the reason why there be few that find it is because we have too many preachers that are not preaching it and are not allowing the Holy Ghost to goad people and to direct people in the right direction. We're trying to let again the ways of this world and God's ways be blended together. But if there was ever a time we need preachers like Brother Mark Brown at our youth camp, we need them today where he's saying that's not the right way. Get over there to that way and quit walking the wrong way. Come on, I don't know about you, but I want to be saved. And no price is too great to see my Savior's face, folks. Isaiah 35 and 8 says this, And a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring man, those fools, shall not err therein. Okay, I'm going to preach. Is it all right this morning? Are you sure it's all right this morning? I want everybody to say we love you, Pastor. Now, you remember you said that. <laughs> May have to have somebody remind you in just a minute. Church, I believe we're struggling because we have not put enough distance between our ways and their ways. 
I'm afraid we feel that as long as we don't drink alcohol and we don't smoke pot and we're not doing drugs and we're not involved in immorality, then we're doing all right and we're doing really well. But the real question should be, how much distance is there between our paths? Hear me. How much distance is there between our paths? Because that's what the real question is. It's not about our do's and our don'ts. But folks, how much distance is it between the way they are walking and the way we are walking? In the last five years, this world and our society has moved a long ways from God's truth and God's ways. Can I get an amen in the house? I'm talking about just in the last five years. We have seen such a change in this world in regards to things that once were called profane and things that were an abomination to God and today they are quote unquote accepted even in the religious world today, folks. We got organizations now that have voted to accept what God calls an abomination as being fine today. Folks, the path is going like this. And it is curving really, really big. I'm going to say it again. Here's the question. How far have they moved our path and where we are walking? How far have they moved from our path and where we are walking? The path that some so-called apostolics are walking today, hear me, 20 years ago was the same path the world was walking. Hear me, Bishop, if I'm not telling the truth, 20 years ago, the path that some of our apostolics are walking on today, 20 years ago, the church was saying, that's the ways of the world, and that's the path of the world. I'm here to tell you today, there needs to be a great distance and a great difference made between the way we're walking and the way the world is walking. Hear me. The path of this world is moving further and further away from God. Every day I'm shocked at some of the things that people are saying. Things that they are saying are saying, now this is acceptable. It's all right for us to do these things now. We are just blown away with some of the things our society has accepted. I will not be shocked if someday bestiality is all right in this nation. I would not be shocked. Why? Because they are curving so far away from truth. The church needs to be careful that we don't choose our path in relation to their path. You need to hear me. The church, I'm sorry, we are being affected by this world. What do you mean? Here's what's happening. Their path is going like this. And folks, it is curving and curving a long way. There was a time in this nation years ago where people were God conscious. There was a time in this nation where people without the Holy Ghost, they had a fear of God in them. 
There was a time in this nation where people respected the word of God and the man of God and the preacher. There was a time in this nation where we had prayer in our schools. There was a time in our nation where the word of God was in our schools. And folks, even people that did not go to church, they had integrity. They, you could believe it when they shook your hand and said, I will do this. They were going to do it. But there has been a walking away from that path even now and we're going like this here's the problem hear me I'm about to preach to you the church is doing this number now we're not continuing on God's path we're doing this oh yeah we're separated from the world we're not on their path but here's what the church is doing we are now comparing our, our path to their path and now so we're not way over where they are and we are doing alright because we're over here on a different path the question is not are we walking different than them the question is are we walking where God wants the church to walk are we on God's path that's the question I'm here to tell you today, we need to find out where God's path is. I want to be like David. God, show me your way, God. God, show me your way. I don't want to care what they say. God, show me your way. Come on, somebody clap your hands and shout it to the Lord. See, what we're doing today is we think we're doing well because we haven't gone that far yet. Come on, let's be honest in the house today. We're looking and saying, well, pastor, you don't understand. We're not crazy like they are. That's not the question. It's are we walking where God wants us to walk? I'm sorry. It seems like convictions are a thing of the past. Now it seems like the pastor has to set every line and every guideline and I have to be a policeman and say this is right and that's wrong and do don't do this and don't do that. Why is it there more of the leading of the Spirit of God in God's path by the Holy Ghost by individuals? Why aren't you looking in the mirror and saying that doesn't look right and it's too close to their path? Those clothes are too close to their path. That music is too close to that path. That, come on. That lifestyle's too close to their path. And I want to be on God's path, folks. We cannot have revival if we always are trying to relate to the world and going their way. Because we're going to find out someday God's going to look at us and say, sorry, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because you were looking at them when you should have been looking at me, when you were looking at them as a gauge, when you should have been looking at this for your gauge. Folks, we need the light of the word of God to shine on our path. I don't need, I don't even care what the professionals of this world say is right or wrong. I don't care what laws they pass in this nation. There is a law that is higher than those laws. It's the word of God. And it'll always be right. It'll always be true. Do we respect the laws of this nation? Absolutely. Do we rebel against them? No. But we've got to stand where the word of God is. Look at your neighbor and say, he's doing good. Now, 
not going to like me, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm afraid we're getting too close. Why do you think that, Pastor? Why? Because I was at youth camp this year, that's why. And the principal of our youth camp, that's why. I was there day after day, that's why. We have some outstanding young people in the Oregon District, and I said it over and over again to those kids, great kids. I walked out of dorm after dorm when they were doing our night check and stuff at night and would say, that's good kids in there. They're good kids. But folks, it's one thing to be good kids. And it's another thing for us to be on the right path. See, we qualify this whole good thing in relation to what the world is doing. So we got good kids, why? Because they don't do their hair that way and they don't do that and they don't do drugs and those things, so they're good kids. But that's not where it is. It's where this book tells them to be and how close are we to this book and where the Spirit of God is leading the church. See, our kids are a good gauge of our path. I want you to look at, and say, say, look at somebody and say, I still love pastor. Our kids are a good gauge. Why? Adults can hide things. Kids forget to hide things. Hear me. When the majority of the conversation between the campers is all about the movies they're watching and the video games that they are playing and the superheroes characters that have become their heroes... I'm afraid we're too close to the world. When the kids are not talking about the things of God, but they're talking about some character from Hollywood and what they are doing and what movie they played in and what this movie is, and they can quote you line after line after line out of movie and not only tell you about the movie itself but can tell you about all of the production of the movie and all the background of the movie and all the people involved in the movie and then they have problems being able to quote verses. It's getting quiet in the house and I figured it probably would because now your pastor's preaching here. And I'm putting some lines at the palace of parade. I'm afraid we're just too close. I'm afraid this commandment to be ye separate is a thing of the past. Because the word separate in the verse means to set off by boundaries, limit, to literally exclude ourselves from. See, the spirit at youth camp this year for the first two days was very sedated. I'd never seen it like that before in my life and all the years I've been doing camp and I've been the camp principal for a long time now. And I'm here to tell you I had never in my life seen it this way at our camp. Every camp that we have had for years and years, we had to numerous times throughout the service say this to the kids, go back to your seats and sit down. Go back to your seats and sit down. Go back to your seats and sit down because if we played a song, they all ran to the altar shouting and dancing and worshiping God. When we said anything good, they ran to the altar and shouted and amen. When the man preached, they got to the altar and they shouted and ding. Our first two nights at camp, that statement was never made by anyone who was on the platform. No one ever looked at our kids and said, go back to your seats and sit down. 
You're saying you're being, you're being judgmental. It's a gauge to let us know where we are. And then when you go into the dorms and you listen to the kids talking about all their junk they're involved in and the lifestyles they're living and the things they're doing and what they're involved in and you see the hairstyles on them and, and some of the stuff we're having to 